Hello, Rebels. You're listening to a free audio-only recording of my show, Rebel Roundup. Now, if you like listening to this podcast, then you would love watching it. But in order to watch, you need to be a subscriber to Rebel News Plus. That's what we call our long-format TV-style shows here on The Rebel. Subscribers get access to watching my weekly show, as well as other great TV-style shows, too. It's only $8 a month to subscribe, or you can subscribe annually and get two months free. And just for podcast listeners, you can also save an extra 10% on a new premium membership by using the coupon code PODCAST when you subscribe. Just go to rebelnewsplus.com to become a member. And please leave a five-star review on this podcast and subscribe in iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Those reviews are a great way to support Rebel News without spending a dime. And now, enjoy this free audio-only version of my show. Welcome to Rebel Roundup, ladies and gentlemen, and the rest of you, in which we look back at some of the very best commentaries of the week by your favorite Rebels. I'm your host, David Menzies. Well, we hit a road bump in our lawsuit regarding Justin Trudeau's COVID quarantine hotels. You know, those facilities that have far less to do with science and far more to do with political street theater. Alas, the judge sided with the feds, but that's okay. While we may be down, we're not out, which is to say we are going to appeal this decision. Rebel Commander Ezra Levent will join me to discuss all the nitty-gritty. Sadly, it's almost a given that bureaucrats virtually dream up ways in which to squander your tax dollars on useless initiatives. But just wait till you hear what Sheila Gunn-Reed has to say about two separate federal programs that implored video gamers to stay home and stay masked? No, I swear I'm not making this up, folks. And letters, we get your letters. We get them every minute of every day. And you had plenty to say about one of my most recent tickets via law enforcement, which is to say Hamilton bylaw enforcement officer Ranjeni RJ Reddy, she, her, slapped me with a $560 ticket for practicing journalism in Steeltown, but there's a twist, folks. This is a very special kind of ticket, a ticket that you cannot fight in a court of law. Um, when exactly did Canada become Cuba? Those are your rebels. Now let's round them up. The judge, Chief Justice Paul Crampton, ruled that jailing healthy people, law-abiding people, citizens who have done nothing wrong, jailing them for up to three days and billing them thousands of dollars for the cost of it, is just a minor inconvenience, not an important violation of our liberties. I'm guessing he himself hasn't had to stay in one. And the fact that the quarantine makes no sense from a health point of view, it's no safer to send someone to a hotel for three days where they will have contact with many people as opposed to sending them straight home by themselves. Well, the judge didn't mind. He actually wrote that it's Canadians' duty to suffer through such indignities to save lives. 
even though the government provided no evidence that these costly schemes have saved lives. In fact, there was evidence that the COVID jails are dangerous, whether it's COVID outbreaks at these COVID hotel jails or cases of alleged rape there that the judge acknowledged. Justin Trudeau and the rest of the ruling class themselves don't have to follow these rules. The president of the CDC, for example, flies back and forth to Canada from her home in New York City every week. She doesn't quarantine anywhere, certainly not in an airport hotel. Trudeau himself just got back from a week of boozy parties in Europe, violating every quarantine rule, mask rules, social distancing rules. And when he came back to Canada, he reportedly spent a few hours in one of these COVID airport hotels and then just left. So yeah, rules are for the little people. We sued the government because we had sent our then reporter, Kean Bexty, to report in Florida, and he had to come back to Canada through one of these COVID jails in Calgary. When he was in the hotel, he came into contact with no less than 14 people, as opposed to just taking his own car home from the airport. It's ridiculous. Our lawyers did an excellent job. Sarah Miller and Robert Hawks ran circles around the government's lawyers in cross-examination they were able to get some incredible admissions from the government's witnesses, and they really grilled the health bureaucrats the government sent out to defend the law. But in the end, Crampton sided with the establishment and against the people. I've read the ruling. In my opinion, it's a political document designed to make this problem go away. <laughs> and fair enough, if the entire media and entire political establishment and the Airline industry itself seemed fine with all this and the other awful parts of the lockdown. So why would a top judge go out on a limb by himself and what? Become a pariah at all the Ottawa cocktail parties? Our lawyers were in court alongside lawyers from the Justice Center for Constitutional Freedoms. And there were a handful of other individuals who sued on their own. All of our cases were bundled together and heard at once. But I note, there wasn't a single lawyer in court from a liberal civil liberties group. There were no tourism or travel or business groups, no chambers of commerce there, no political group, no opposition political party, nobody. Nobody who we ought to rely on in society to protect us from authoritarian measures. I think the government got the message loud and clear. No one important cares about this. Well, I care about it, and I hope you care about it too. So we're going to appeal. Well, there you have it, folks. Despite the fact that these Justin Trudeau COVID quarantine hotels have less to do with science and more to do with political street theater, well, the judge bought the government's argument hook, line, and stinker. But the question arises, why? Well, here to answer that query and more is Rebel News Commander Ezra Levant. Well, Ezra, a disappointing day in court for us last week, but uh, it's not over, we're gonna appeal this. That's right, uh, we were one of a group of clients and lawyers in federal court. A number of people chose to appeal the constitutionality of these COVID jails. Um, some individual people, there was a cannabis entrepreneur who was offended by it and he was uh, fighting on his own. Our friends at the Justice Center for Constitutional Freedoms were there. And we were there, Rebel News, and our former reporter, Kim Bexty, who was forced to stay in one of these hotels. So there was a bunch of lawyers in court. The judge, the courts combined all the, the trials together, which probably makes sense. And um, it was weeks of cross-examinations and of 
checking each other's witnesses and before the trial itself. The trial went very well in that there were so many holes poked in the government's case. They were caught lying on several occasions. Mm. Um, I really think our lawyers not only did a great job, but made arguments that no one else in court did. So I feel really good about what we did in court. That said, we lost. And we're appealing. In fact, the very morning we lost, I spoke to our lawyers who said we have good grounds for appeal, uh, including the right to be free of warrantless search and seizure. I, I forget all the arguments are outlined. Uh, another argument was that the federal government actually doesn't have the authority under the Quarantine Act to set these up. So we will appeal to the Federal Court of Appeal. Um, let me just say one thing about the politics here. The Federal Court of Canada is, in my opinion, the most political court in the country. And they put the chief in charge of this, so they wanted it handled. Now, what that means, I don't quite know. But let me put it to you another way. Here we are 14, 15 months into the lockdowns. We have police who have never been, never had their wrists slapped. We have media who, if anything, are cheerleaders for the lockdowns. Yes. We have no opposition party, let alone governing party, that has expressed any reservation about over-the-top policing. We have what the BBC calls the most locked down city in the world, Toronto. Yeah. We have, in most places in the country, uh, no in-class school. We have um, a 14-day quarantine that most countries don't have. We have every part of the establishment is part of the lockdownist cult. Yes. So what are the odds that the chief of the Federal Court of Canada is going to be the one person who stand up and stands up and say, I'll take a bullet. I'll be the guy who says this, the emperor has no clothes. I'll be the guy who says this is insane that we're throwing citizens in jail for three days. I'll be that guy. But, but you know, just uh, uh, Ezra, I get where you're coming from. It, it's just that if a judge is like the proverbial uh, image of Lady Justice, you know, holding the scales, blindfolded, weighing the case on its merits. And that's exactly who you would expect to do it. And you would hope for that. And, and that's what a judge should be. And, mm -hmm. and yet, I think for all the arguments you put out in your video, I thought that's why it was so surprising as well as disappointing for me that it went against us. For one, the hypocrisy. As you mentioned, the CBC head honcho flying every week from New York to mm -hmm. Canada, no quarantining there. Mm -hmm. And the fact that the very idea of these quarantine hotels is perverse from a scientific point of view. You only go there if you're healthy. Yeah. And I point to the case of 74-year-old um, Siad Shah, who had, who had returned back to Toronto from Pakistan, was forced into one of those quarantine hotels, got the COVID in the hotel and gave it to his five family members in North York. Ezra, th this is crazy. Yeah, well, when our former reporter, Kean Bexley, went through the hotel, yeah. he counted, he said he had contact with 14 people in the quarantine hotel. It's not much of a quarantine, whereas he planned just to get into his car and go home by himself. Yeah. So, um, yeah, listen, I'm obviously disappointed in the ruling. I'm disappointed in the judge. And you would, you would think in a romantic worldview that you know the the checks and balances in our wonderful democracy our strong democracy we can get through anything and just because all these political madmen are rushing off wildly in all directions the courts which are not subject to the same vicissitudes as politicians they'll be able to no it's not like that
Uh, I think that the courts are extremely political. In Canada, they're, they're very political. They just lack the political accountability of American courts. Everyone knows. Yeah, I, I bet you could probably name more U.S. judges than Canadian judges. And I'm not making funny. I'm just saying we could all, because we hear about all the U.S. judges. There's so many battles over them. We get to know them. We get to know their rulings. We get to know their political stripe. They're so partisan. Don't think for a second our Canadian judges aren't as political or as partisan. It's just, oh, don't rock the boat. Don't dare criticize the courts, whatever the courts say is gold. And if this were a U.S. court ruling, it would be instantly torn apart through a political lens. Why are we pretending that our judges are somehow above politics? I mean, I should remind you of a disgraceful thing. Uh, Beverly McLaughlin, who for a very long time was, the, was on our Supreme Court, she was the Chief Justice. What did she do when she retired? She became a member of Hong Kong's Court of Final Appeal. Mm. So Hong Kong uh, had a court made up of lawyers from around the Commonwealth that was like their super duper Supreme Court. And it was a wonderful idea actually, to take judges from Canada, UK, wherever. Well, of course, Hong Kong hasn't been free for a while. Um, the last vestiges are, of democracy are being stamped out. Um, do you think Beverly McLaughlin's given up her seat on that Supreme Court? <laughs> no. Um, for the prestige, for the money, for the travel, uh, for the shoulder rubbing. Don't think that judges aren't extremely political creatures. And you know what? Beverly McLaughlin, she could end her note on a very proud, dignified, uh, end, her, end her career on a proud, dignified note by saying, I'm resigning from the High Court of Hong Kong in protest of the tyrannization of this city. And people would say, wow, that's courage, that's principle. In instead, she is part of the system and loves it. And, and so don't think that judges are not political. Ezra, having said that, given that we lost, given that judges too are political animals, what makes you hopeful of us winning an appeal? Because we have to keep hope alive, what other choice do we have? <laughs> and you know what? You never know when you're, gonna, when you're gonna win. I mean, you can't win if you don't take a shot. Mm. And I remember two years ago when, the, when Trudeau's election debates commission banned Rebel News, including you, yes. from covering the debate. And, we hi and they banned us on the last day before the debate, really. Yeah. And so on an emergency basis, we hired a law firm. They said to me on the phone, Ezra, you need to do two things. First of all, you need to send us $10,000 in advance. <laughs> <laughs> Fancy a lawyer saying that. Ezra. And then second of all, they said, and just so you know, we're going to lose. We're happy to do it, but just so you know, we're going to lose. Wow. And well, maybe they said it, we think we're going to lose, or yeah. we're probably going to lose. But they wanted, they didn't want me to think we're going to win. And I appreciate that. Appreciate that. Uh, and what do you know? We won. Yeah. I and remember that day well. You were very down in the dumps. Uh, you, you were saying, not hopeful, not hopeful. And when the decision came, oh, I was ecstatic. I've never seen you happy. Well, I was ecstatic. And, that's, <laughs> and that... And that was a remarkable domino that led to so many other dominoes of success, success following success. And it came from audacity, from daring to fight the man, came from the support of our viewers who paid for that $10,000 challenge. Actually, it wound up being a little more than that. Um, and that taught me, you may as well try. 
I am not ready to say it now because we're literally signing the agreement might even be happening as we're speaking. Mm. But we recently filed a lawsuit that our lawyers said, that's a long shot, Ezra. I said, we have to do it just out of self-respect. And what do you know? And, I, and I'm not trying to tease you. I'll let you know when I can say it publicly. I just want to wait till it's all signed on the dotted line. Long shot lawsuit against a political bully. We just had to do it. And the bully said, oh, huh, all right. I, let me settle with you. Let me get out of this. Ah. Let me do. And I and I'm not trying to tease people. I'm not trying. I, I just am waiting. But I, but I this goes to the long shot. You you miss 100 percent of the shots you don't take. And so and who else is taking them? So for example, in court for this COVID jail hotel, was the Canadian Civil Liberties Association nope. there? No. How about the Hotel and Conference Association? Nope. Nope. How about the the airline association. How about anyone whose industry has been devastated by these no travel rules? How about, like all, where's the Chamber of Commerce? Where is any opposition party? Where is any working class party? And why is that, Ezra? They have skin in the game. They have the most skin in the game. And that's the weird thing. We were there and our friends at the Justice Center for Constitutional Freedoms were there. And that's it. And I think that there's a total system-wide failure in our democracy these days, the media, the law professors, the legal profession, the courts, popular culture, government parties, opposition parties, NGOs, total system breakdown, police, police oversight commissions, um, the public health deep state, the law societies, the the colleges of physicians and surgeons, every, the business lobbies, the labor lobbies, total system-wide failure and it's terrifying and we here at rebel news have expanded to fill some of these gaps but you know that we can't be everything we've actually turned into quite a big national civil liberties law firm oh, yeah. we did a show the other day with victoria we now have 1834 clients 1834 <laughs> people were helping i call them clients these are people who who received lockdown fines that's really weird Eight, what do we do? We're in the media business, but we're running a national civil liberties law firm. Well, Ezra, the Canadian Civil Liberties Association, they're going to do it. One last question. Well, how would you respond to a cynic or a skeptic that would say, uh, look, Ezra, you have time on your side. Already next month, it's been rumored that fully vaccinated travelers coming back to Canada won't have to go to these hotels. After that, we know when there's a certain level of vaccination or, or COVID is wiped out, uh, these hotels will not exist. Why don't you save your money and just let time take care of things? Well, first of all, they're going to, I just know they're going to extend it because they've extended it 20 times already. Yeah. Trudeau is entering into contracts we see on, on government disclosure sites uh, into 2024 for various things. Um, these quarantine hotels are set up well into 2022, their contracts. So first of all, just the basic contracts themselves suggest the government expects and perhaps wants this to continue for one, two, three more years. Oh. Second of all, um, I would like to win and set some precedent of scrutiny. Uh, Third of all, um, that happy outcome that they're describing is not actually a happy outcome. Um, Happy outcome to force people to take vaccines that are still untested and experimental. What if you have natural immunity as in you caught the disease, 
thank God it didn't finish you off and now you have a natural, do you still have to take the shot? Mm. What if you have a medical reason for not? What if just a statistical reason you say, well, I'm 25 years old and healthy. I'm not talking about myself. You're a healthy 25 <laughs> year old who exercises. You have a low chance of getting the disease and you have an extremely low chance of being mortally injured by it. Why would you take a vaccine that has increasing risk for different groups? Um, you know, I see all sorts of report of heart inflammations for young people. In fact, the younger the patient, the more the heart inflammation, like terrifying things. And I'm, I'm not saying that I know definitively what is up with these vaccines. I'm saying the opposite. I'm saying no one knows definitively because never before has a vaccine like this been rushed to market. Uh, let me tell you, I watched a terrifying national film board movie called Outbreak was filmed about a decade ago, and there's a cameo appearance in it by Teresa Tam. Hmm. That's where she fantasizes about having internment camps for people who won't take vaccines. <laughs> You've probably seen that clip. Yes. But the rest of that movie is actually about the outbreak of smallpox in Montreal 140 years ago. Fascinating, and it was devastating. The number of people who died proportionate to the size of that city was just incredible. It really was a, a deadly epidemic. But and vaccines were very new back then. The concept of purposefully injecting yourself with a small disease to make you immune to the real disease, that was new and dubious. Um, and there was lots of debates back and forth. Should we, is this natural? Is this unholy? Well, um, in that movie, they document how there was a bad batch and a bunch of people got sick or died from it, and that spooked the people against it. Yeah, no doubt, no <laughs> doubt. And here we are 140 years later, and we have batches of, of various vaccines being recalled, and these, like, um, this is not a, a perfect science. Yeah. Willfully infecting people with a little bit of the disease so they stay strong against the whole thing. I mean, great idea, yeah. but let's test it first. And the gene therapy of this mRNA vaccines that has never been tested before. Yeah. Forgive me if I don't want to be a guinea pig, and more importantly, if I don't want my family to be a guinea pig. I share your fear, and uh, great uh, video, Ezra, and let's all collectively hope that on appeal we are successful. And you know, folks, I mean, it comes down to this, I think. These so-called quarantine hotels, they simply do not work. We have chronicled the stories of a woman who was allegedly sexually assaulted in one, a man who if he had e uh, eaten the meal he was given, he would have potentially have died of anaphylactic shock. Um, other individuals who got COVID by checking into these hotels when they were healthy. Uh, as they say in Alabama, this dog don't hunt. And for that reason alone, they should be closed down as soon as possible. Keep it here. More of Rebel Roundup to come right after this. As we know, there's no end to the things the federal government will waste our hard-earned money on. I think the big brains in the federal government don't know the difference between e-sports and actual, like, sports sports. E-sports don't normally involve putting on your running shoes or even getting out of your gaming chair or off the couch, and e-sports certainly don't involve you being in direct physical contact with other people. The federal government thought it was worth spending over $92,000 twice to remind video gamers to stay on the couch, remain away from other people, and not play real sports. Oh, and also wear a mask. I guess while they're alone on the couch playing video games 
in their own homes. Now, today's information comes to us by way of an order of paper response to a question posed by Conservative MP for Saskatoon West, Brad Redekop. Now, way back in October, Redekop asked the federal government to provide him the details of the kinds of videos being produced by the federal government for public consumption with public money. It is a huge document. 498 pages in total because naturally the government is wasting a lot of our money making self-serving propaganda to scare us about COVID but to also remind us that the government knows best about how we should deal with COVID in any and all situations. I'm still winding through the 500 pages of it all but so far I thought I would update you on the silliest thing I found. On pages 215 and 216, Health Canada spent over $92,000 on ads to encourage video gamers to wear masks, stay home, and be physically distant. Look at this, four 15-second long videos, so just 60 seconds of video production in total, targeted at Canadians who play video games, titled Wear a Mask, Keep Your Distance, Wash Your Hands, and Stay Home If You're Sick. And I'm pretty sure that's not going to be a problem since they're gamers, and I'm only teasing here, so just lighten up. Anyway, the cost to the taxpayer, $92,600. And this thing was distributed to the Entertainment Software Association of Canada website, YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook channels. I mean, they're at home playing video games. But that wasn't crazy enough because on the very next page, page 217, the Public Health Agency of Canada, so a separate agency from Health Canada, spent yet another $92,600 to encourage video gamers to stay home, be physically distant and wear masks. The exact same videos, exact same expenditures, exact same title. So why are we paying for all of this twice? Somebody tell me that. Wow, your tax dollars hard at work yet again, folks. And what new six-figure government studies await? Perhaps a video instructing Canadians not to bring a plugged-in toaster into the bathtub, or maybe a whiz-bang report on reminding Canadians to look both ways before crossing the street. Unbelievable. And joining me now regarding the latest egregious expenditure by the feds on videos that are beyond useless <laughs> is Sheila Gunn-Reed. How you doing there, Sheila? David, I'm great. I, I You know, this story, it, it's so... It's not a ton of money, like it's a lot of money, but it, for you and I, but for the federal government, it's not a huge amount of money that they're wasting, but it is absolutely wasted. They've spent nearly $200,000 to remind people who by nature stay home alone to continue to stay home alone and also to wear masks while they're, I guess, sitting on their own couch at home alone while they're playing esports, like video games. People are far away from you when you're playing video games if you're playing with people at all. But that's what the government saw fit to waste nearly $200,000 on. And, and you know, sadly, Sheila, you are right. A couple of hundred thousand, that's uh, chump change. That's the kind of nickels and dimes you find in the, uh, uh, the sofas of the federal treasury in this day and age of deficits and debts in the billions of dollars. But I, I just, how does such a thing, Sheila, get started in the first place what is the genesis for an idea like this that's so lame-brained that resembles something out of monty python for goodness sake how does it even get started the whole government is currently like this i noticed the other day on twitter that public safety canada so 
as Ezra pointed out, the Canadian version of Homeland Security is sending out tweets reminding people to wear masks outside. And so this is something that is just pervasive across all levels of government. They just are wasting money sending out COVID warnings that I don't think people necessarily need. For example, why does Public Safety Canada need to be telling people to wear masks outside? That's that's not a public safety issue. And transmission of coronavirus is basically nil outside anyway. And again, with the, the gamer videos, they spent nearly $200,000 to create identical videos, by the way. Why couldn't they just take the same video and give it to the other people? Um, reminding people, uh, and these are like four 15-second slots of video. So like $200,000 for 60 seconds worth of video to tell people the most useless of all information. And it, it, this is something that happens in every single department. This is just one thing that I saw that was so stupid, I just had to do a video about it. Oh, no, and I'm glad you did. And, and it's just the, um, the appalling amount of pork that goes into uh, what you get as a final product. I mean, compared to our skeleton staff and what we produce, it, it is really obscene how these federal bureaucrats spend our money. But Sheila, here's the thing though. Um, we talked about, uh, I, mean, I mean, it was just uh, last month, I think, or earlier this month that in Ontario, um, finally the golf courses were opened. And if you had to think of a sport that was designed for COVID-19, uh, it would have to be golf. You're outdoors, right? There's uh, plenty of social distancing. It's non-contact. It was a joke they were shut down in the first place. But when it comes to indoor sports, if you will, um, if there's a, something designed for that, surely it's gaming. You can isolate yourself in your basement, in your living room, and play with people online, I understand, because my last gaming was done after they took Miss Pac-Man out of the arcade. But you can play Wrong. with people <laughs> around the world. So I don't understand what the need for this you know, stupid, useless information was in the first place. Well, there's no need for it, but it, this poses a bigger question for me. And I want to know how these bureaucrats live in their real life. Like, <laughs> are they doing that which they want the rest of us to do and that which they are wasting our own money to tell us to do? For example, are they sitting at home wearing face masks completely alone watching Netflix? Because basically that's just... It's very, it's a very similar activity to playing video games, right? You're just sitting on the couch looking at a TV. Um, are they sitting at home alone wearing masks, watching Netflix? Are they out in the park wearing masks uh, the way Public Safety Canada is telling us to do? Or are they just living their lives? And are they just wasting our money? Uh, that's what I really want to know. I'd love to know if they are replicating their, you know, their scolding in their own lives. And, and Sheila, as always, whenever we talk about <clears throat> COVID, it all comes down to the science because that's what we're endlessly preached. And yet, is there any evidence of gamers coming down with the Wuhan virus? Um, no. 
I don't think there is. But we do know there is tons of evidence that elderly people, typically with a medical condition, living in a long-term care facility, those are the hot spots in terms of dying from this virus. Why can't they direct this money um, rather than spending it on useless studies, the, the information that people already know, just put more money towards keeping those truly at risk from the virus safe and alive. Yeah, you know, this $200,000 could have went to pay for, let's say four healthcare aides yep. um, in one of those nursing homes where the elderly were abandoned to die, um, where they face dehydration and dying alone um, because uh, the facility was either chronically understaffed or the staff were so scared um, because of the media, because of the government, that they just stopped showing up to work for to care for the elderly. Imagine what $200,000 wasted telling gamers to stay home alone, which I'm pretty sure they're not going to have a problem doing. Imagine what that could have done if it were effectively targeted at the people who needed the help the most. Absolutely. Well, Sheila, you know, I'd love to renew my acquaintances with Miss Pac-Man, but alas, I don't have a mask, so no video game for me. <laughs> Thank you so much. That was an excellent report, my friend. Thanks, David. Have a great weekend. You too. And that was Sheila Gunn-Reed, somewhere in the hinterland of northern Alberta. Keep it here, folks. More of Rebel Roundup to come right after this. Now, funny thing is, when I visited Hamilton to cover a protest at City Hall recently, it was a sad protest indeed. There were fewer than a dozen demonstrators. But unlike Efren, I never encountered any cops or bylaw officers. They were AWOL that day, or so I thought. You see, they were just too cowardly to engage with me. After all, Efren's videos exposed them to be... What's the word? Ah, pathetic Karens without a cause. In any event, just the other day I received an email. It indicated I was being served with a ticket for a whopping $560. Now at first I thought it was a joke. Whoever heard of being served by email? Usually service is conducted by a peace officer or at the very least by a courier. And yet, here was this electronic notice of a violation sitting in my inbox sent by Ren Jenny RJ Ready She Her. And it turns out that Ren Jenny RJ Ready She Her is indeed a City of Hamilton Municipal Law Enforcement Officer slash Licensing Compliance Officer. Wow, that's a mouthful. I gave Ranjeni RJ Reddy she her a call to find out how to fight this nonsensical ticket. Get this, you can't fight it. Well, at least not in a court of law. Check it out. Yeah, actually, if you could give me uh, clarity there, uh, Miss Reddy she her, um, is is there a way I can go to court to fight this ticket? Nope, it would go through a screening officer. Like I said, if you read the back of the ticket, your options are going to be there. Okay, sir? So I can't fight this in a court of law. I mean, like, uh, I, to me, this is very unusual in that uh, I, I've There's even gone no to court. There's no court of law. It goes through a screening officer with the city of Hamilton. It's a city of Hamilton ticket. But that, that's, that's what I'm getting at. Is there not an inherent conflict of interest there? It is a... 
city of Hamilton employee that's given me this ticket and I've got to go to a city of Hamilton employee to, I don't know, make my case that um, I'm guilty or to reduce the fine, whatever it is. I mean, uh, for speeding tickets, even parking tickets, I can go to court for that. Why couldn't I go to court for something like this? So that's the uh, city policy. If you want to discuss that further, you can speak to You see, here's the problem, folks. The ticket I received is known as an administrative monetary penalty system ticket. An administrative monetary penalty system is a very fancy phrase to say in layman's terms that you, the citizen, are getting royally screwed by the system. Indeed, you know the old saying, tell it to the judge? Well, You're shied out of luck doing so when it comes to the administrative monetary penalty system ticket. There is no judge. There is no court. Instead, to seek a modicum of justice, I have to go to a Hamilton bylaw officer to get my ticket withdrawn. That's right. I have to go to the same bylaw enforcement department that issued me the ticket in the first place. Well, there you have it, folks. When it comes to an AMPS ticket, as they say in Vegas, the fix is in. What a disgrace that we have a setup in Canada in which one is presumed guilty and then denied a day in court. Unbelievable. In any event, you had plenty to say about the various she, hers, and he, hims, and zers who comprise the rank and file of the Hamilton bylaw department handing out these tickets. Mucho Taco writes, so now city policy trumps your right to fight it in court, just like store policy trumps mask exemptions. You know, good point, Mucho Taco. How did anyone in the justice system think that this sort of a ticket is indeed justifiable. It's mind-boggling. Jason Caroy writes, the city policy is now, we can extort you and steal from you for no valid reason anytime we feel. That's right, Jason, and here is something that's much worse. When we learned of these AMPS tickets, we said this is an outrage and we must file a constitutional challenge. Well, guess what, folks? A constitutional challenge was filed some six years ago and the Supreme Court of Canada upheld the right for municipalities to issue such tickets. But how can any court think it's a good idea to deny citizens their day in court? I just can't believe the Supremes voted in favor of this miscarriage of justice. Lau Tor writes, How were godlike judge, jury, executioner powers given to glorified mall cops? Indeed, oh sure, this system is more efficient in that a city doesn't have to go through all that, you know, justice-y stuff. But is this ethical? Is this moral? Is it even lawful given how our justice system is supposed to operate? Well, the answers are no, no, and no. Jerome D. writes, The circus continues. She, her, the wokeness has spread in the police. It's like the corona these days. Yeah, Jerome, how did this pronoun nonsense ever become so trendy? You know, I'm kind of jealous in a way. I want special pronouns too. How about, hmm, he, man, she, her. Those are my new pronouns as of right now, folks. But give me a holler in half an hour because I might be adopting a new pronoun. 
it's all so fluid, you see. And Razar writes, if it was sent via email, it's about as good as a Nigerian print scam, IMO. They don't even have the cajones to issue you the fine in person. Well, wait a minute, Razar. Are you telling me that the $1,200 lottery ticket processing fee I just sent to Prince Kunta Kinte in Laos is a scam? Mercy me, what a terrible month this has been. <laughs> well, that wraps up another edition of Rebel Roundup. Thanks so much for joining us. See you next week. And hey, folks, never forget, without risk, there can be no glory. Good night.